Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at nbnrpodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Otter. He's a junkyard dog. Hey, Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> you get mad. You went to go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad. GBR. Go Big Red indeed. No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 36 from the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room in La Vista, Nebraska, 108th and Harrison. I'm drinking the same old, same old thing. And Mike thinks that's like boring and whatever, dude. Shake and bake. <laughs> All reliable for me. Mike's got his little... Hey. Actually, hold on a second. Hey. That's not a seltzer. What is that? Hey, I'm drinking uh, Wick for Brains, bringing that back. I know it's not spooky season anymore, but it's uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for anything pumpkin, you know, basic bitch over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, drinking some uh, pumpkin ale. Uh, it's pretty good. Wearing your Uggs underneath the table with your leggings on. Hey, no, no, I'm rocking our new NBNR polos. Ooh, yes, sir. Good plug, yeah. Mike. Good yeah. plug. Yeah, shit. See how I did that in a NBNR hat. But Kyle, what you sipping over there? I've got the Blackberry uh, Seltzer from uh, NBC and... Uh, it is refreshing. Yeah, it won a gold award. Yeah, yeah. At, at a national convention. What was the other seltzer that won an award? It was the um, pineapple. Yeah, pineapple, pineapple won uh, silver. So yeah. that those are the two best seltzers in the area. So come in here and give it a try. We have a special guest with us, and Hello. he is also sipping some NBC beer. So let this be the introduction. Another, just another member of the pipeline. Zach Stirrup is here to join us on the No Block No Rock podcast. First of all, thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure, fellas. Second of all, what you got? What you drinking? I got the EOS. Um, it's a wheat beer. I'm a big fan of wheat beers. You know, you put me down at a restaurant and they got 12 beers. I'm usually hitting a blue moon. Hell yeah. Um, you know. Okay. Um, I see we got a nice little, some wheat right here. So that <laughs> falls, falls right in line. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty tasty beer. My uh, first time being here, I just scales, man. It scales. Oh, yeah, look at this place. Yeah, you you walked in and what were what were your exact words? It's fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's very deceiving. It looks small on the outside, then you get in here and it's just huge. Wait yeah. till you go. We give you a tour at the end, and you get to see like how the beer is made here. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So you know, I like beer, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and you're you want to come back. Our listeners and our watchers, come to the tap room, 108th and Harrison in Levis, Nebraska. And like they always say, world class in every glass. Okay, now we did mention you earlier in our introduction. Zach Stirrup, former offensive lineman, thank you again. Now, once we get started here, we didn't do this last week because Mike can now officially on Twitter... Do hashtag girl dad. That's right. <laughs> he just had his daughter. Mike, just go go into this whole this whole thing, man. Uh well, you know, they say, hey, you know it's gonna change your life and uh-huh. all this stuff. And you you know, they they say it and I've been hearing it for nine freaking months and I'm like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. And then it happens. And it's like you go and you go through the whole labor process and it's like, okay, this is fucking crazy yeah and then you hear the first cry and you're like holy shit like this is real and uh 
it's cool. I mean, honestly, like we've been ready to be parents for a while and um, I'm just really excited to see where, you know, see where this thing goes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't really have a choice. I can't take it back. So. Yeah. So, so we went from being the supreme leader of a no block, no rock. And now we've got the uh, big daddy of no block, no rock. <laughs> yes, daddy. Are we revealing her name on the pod? Yeah. Her name is uh, Peyton James. So okay. yeah. It's uh, named after? After the goat, Peyton Manning. Come okay. On. <laughs> okay. That's not bad, man. Hey, I mean, that's not bad. Congrats on that. That's a big step forward. You know, so. Now, look, I'm I'm not one to judge a girl's looks, but I just hope she doesn't end up looking like, like Mike. Him. Oh, like thank- no, like Peyton. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, listen, I mean, either thing. way, it's not like ideal, but especially that Forehead. five head looking. Uh. <laughs> Would you agree, Zach, that Peyton Manning's kind of an odd looking duck? Hey, man, he it, it's. <laughs> What's inside his head, not what his head is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> did you ever have any encounterments with Peyton Manning while you're in the league? I, I did not, no. Uh he was done before I was there. Oh. Um but you know, mm-hmm. growing up, I was a New York Giants fan. And so I was just rocking Eli the whole Eli. time, bro. And now they got Daniel Jones. It's like, well, you know, like he's he's almost <laughs> oh. like a brother, but I don't know if he's as good, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I mean he, it's just crazy. He's just so inconsistent. Like he'll throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns one game, and then you know have three picks and two fumbles the next. Yeah, you know? Danny Dimes, baby. That's right. And he'll run 80 yards for a touchdown. It's like the most like un. He looks the most unathletic, athletic human I've ever seen. <laughs> He's got those strides, man. Can't can't sweep on the strides. Yeah. You guys, let's talk. Let's stop talking about the freaking Giants. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry, Zach. Please. Um. Okay. So one of the big news items that dropped last week this whole Saban v Jimbo battle war of words bad breakup <laughs> because uh, Jimbo did you answer Nick's call no we're done <laughs> <laughs> like bad girlfriend ex-girlfriend type shit but Saban he, he did the whole breaking the code of Omerta okay that's the mafia code for you don't snitch okay snitches get <laughs> stitches right boy that's but, right so we don't need to rehash that whole thing, but I will bring this back around to Nebraska and I'll ask Zach, our special guest, would you, would it, would it chap your ass if it was Scott Frost versus Kirk Ferentz in this same scenario? If Kirk was the salty one and Frost was the one that was buying players, as it were, how would you feel if that battle ensued? Well, you know the, how the rules are now. I mean, I think it's pretty open market. You yeah, know, right. um, I, I I know there's been some crazy nil deals. You know, for kids in high school, let alone um, college coming in, um, and so it is kind of open to the highest bidder. And you know, until the NCA cracks down on it, I think it's all fair. Um, yeah. You know, um, thank God we got some of the best fans and boosters in the country. Yeah. Um, Shout out to you guys. No place like it. You know, um, and, you know, I hope, uh, I, I just hope the money's well spent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Winning. That, 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 you know. So do the, I think the boosters feel that same way. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if they can argue. Um, you know, they're, they're given, you know, whatever they give to, to, you know, support the university and, and hopefully at the end of the, at the end of the year, we got a few more wins. Um, and that's all, you know what we can ask for, just get this thing trending the right way and, and go from there. And, you know, I, I like some of the off season moves we did. Um, you know, we had to shake up the, 
the coaching tree a little bit. I think it was time to do that. You know, no disrespect to those prior coaches, but you know, um, we got to try something new sometimes. So, well, and you've been through coaching changes, um, and, and your playing career, I'm sure actually many throughout your long life. Um, can you talk about just like being in a locker room and you have one voice saying one thing and then next thing, you know, you know, it's a new year, fresh start. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like going through a coaching change? You know, there, there definitely is like a honeymoon period going on when somebody comes in, you know, you're trying to fill each other out, you know, player and coach. Um, and, but eventually that stops, you know, you, you can only be cool for so long yeah. <laughs> both, both, both ways, you know, player to coach, coach to player. Um, and eventually you just need to get the results. You know, if you, if you keep messing up, you know, get somebody else in there or coach them, you know, the right way, you know, and I don't know if it's necessarily a player problem, a coach problem, a mixture of the two. Um, but you just got to find something that's working for you and, and put your best step forward and go from there. I'm glad you mentioned the honeymoon period because we did have that and we're still in that, you know, we're in the Whipple is the old sage, right? Who's gonna, who's gonna correct Frost, you know, being cute and you know, Mickey Joseph, you know, he's the best recruiter in the country by all, by all accounts. He's a pretty good recruiter, but you know, people, he's perfect, but the staff before they sucked right? and they, they did all these things wrong, but you know, two years ago or three years ago when they were hired, they had their own honeymoon period before. Mm-hmm. For Reduce so, the right. quarterback guru yeah. or whatever. He, for, he forces the, the quarterbacks to study these stone tablets and, you know, <laughs> and it's, oh, he's, he's just above everybody's head. You know, you don't understand because Verduzco is just a whole different level. So, yeah, we're still kind of in that honeymoon phase. Right. Will the wins come? Will the wins come? That's the ultimate question. And and we won't know until, you know, August, September rolls around, you know. I mean, everything could come out of camp, you know, everything's got to be looking good, obviously, because we're only playing each other, you know. If we have a weakness, it's got to look as a strength on one side and not a weakness on the other side. Um, And that's just how those things are. And you won't know anything until you strap it up and hit somebody for the first time. And then... You can learn from that a lot um, and you can keep going from that or you might have to tear the shit down and rebuild it. We won't know until they won't know. You know, the coaches won't know. The players won't know um, how good we could be until you go out there and test yourselves. So on that, like when you're at Nebraska, were there times coming out of camp where you were just like, like I'm not feeling so good about this aspect of our football team or like were there were, I mean like did you guys have concerns like team wide like uh, I don't think this is going to cut it when it comes time for the first kickoff oh uh, all the time I mean okay you always have doubts I mean I mean if you're a um an aware person um you're always gonna have doubts you know there's always got to be like oh what if what if what if and then you just gotta go out there and play and then you're not worried about it you're reacting you know you're not thinking you're, you're just you're flowing you know yeah um and for me personally like my biggest problem was a confidence deal um having having the right mindset upstairs and then you know there'd be some games i'd go in like freaking out be like oh this guy's got a he's pretty quick off the edge and there's some times i went in there and felt like i could do no wrong and guess what my good games were <laughs> yeah <know>? yeah <laughs> right 
the ones you prepared for the best, right? You're like, yeah. oh, let's cook off the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> just sitting there watching film for 30, 30 plays in a row, just watching this guy just eat these guys. I'm like, oh, this is doing a lot for my psyche right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, film is awesome. Yeah, yeah. But then you go in there and you watch yourself. I mean, I, I think most college players should only watch themselves and then get their get their you know game scouting from the coach um that's just me personally i wasn't a huge watching plays over and over because i would be getting myself psyched out the whole time you know mm -hmm. and sometimes you know ignorance is a little bit of a bliss um and so watching myself though and seeing that i could perform or this is this is the reason i lost the lost the rep is because i took a six inch step instead of a two inch step you know right those yeah. are the intricacies you need to learn um and go from there but as long as you feel good about performing going into the game that's all that really matters and then the rest is just you're either gonna be ready or you're not and then you're yeah. gonna get thrown into the fire and see who comes out yeah um i feel like the mentality of like you want to be like super like psyched out going into a game rather than thinking you're just hot shit and you're just going to go out there and just dominate all the time. Cause then you get humbled real quick. Right. I mean, there is a fine line. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a fine balance there. Um, but I mean, if you don't have any confidence, man, and you're playing in the college level, I mean, you'll get your ass fucking. Eaten. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing UAB or, you know, Ohio State. I mean, everybody can play. There's only, you know, everybody growing up playing football wants to wants to be where you're at. And there's just so much competition, you know, and I was blessed, you know, I got a big frame, you know, I'm six nine and I could get over three hundred pounds pretty easy. And you know, I was a weight room guy. You know, I like getting in the weight room, like grinding like that was my favorite time. I wasn't playing the games because <laughs> as an offensive lineman, you know, I could win nine out of 10 snaps, but nine out of 10 as an offensive lineman, if you're losing one out of 10, it's a dog shit game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the receivers, I mean, they got it kind of easy. Like they only show up twice on the stat line, <laughs> you know, they show up twice on the stat line, have two touchdowns. They have five mental errors, but it didn't, no one notices, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, but the other thing I'll say about that, being an offensive lineman, there's nothing like it because you got four other dogs just rolling with you. If I screw up and let somebody inside, I know Utter's got to be there putting him on it, humbling him, sending him to his knees. The, yeah. The junkyard dog, right? That's right. Yeah, the junkyard dog. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yes, sir. Ah, shout out to the junkyard dog, right? Yeah. So you're the first player that's came on that has talked about film. And I think it's kind of cool to listen to this. Is there a transition uh from the college game to pro and how much preparation you have to do when watching film and and how you how you do it or did you have the same approach oh no uh, so <laughs> uh you know growing up i'm not gonna bullshit you guys football was never the most important thing in my life i was a basketball kid growing up you know i'm six nine um i always thought i was gonna be a hooper um and then my junior year of football i started rolling in some college offers and you know i'm from hastings nebraska well guess what's king in nebraska yeah you know <laughs> um the football field and, and so it was way bigger deal you know to go to nebraska as a nebraska kid you know i didn't grow up watching husker football because i was out fighting bad guys you know I was, yeah i was a weird kid still i'm a weird guy um but 
Um, and then getting there, um, it was, you know, my friends and my social life, then it was football and then it was school, you know, in that order. Like I was going out, I was, I was a college kid first, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having fun in college as much as I could and still be productive as a football player. Um, then it was football. And then if I had time to go to class, I'll, I'll be honest, if I had a, if they put the, if they put the PowerPoint online, I'm not showing up to class. It's, hey, sorry. Hey, sorry, mom. Work smarter, not harder. Right. Yeah. You know, right. So I, I got through, I got a couple of degrees and, and whatnot, and I don't use them. So, right. <laughs> so they're paid for, I guess that's nice, you know, hang them on the wall. But yeah, other than that, it's like, well, I was there for football and the college experience. And I had a, I had a ball in college, so. Yeah, I bet you did. (laughs) So do players that that don't take school serious, do they get a little help along the way? Like these highly touted guys that maybe aren't bookworms, we'll say, do they get a little help along the way? Like, you you know, I, I didn't play with anybody at Nebraska who wasn't capable of graduating. Okay. I'll put it like that. I if, like that. If, if if they were smart enough to, if they wanted to earn a degree, they had every opportunity to. They might have to grind a little bit harder, you know, sign up for a couple more tutors um, and go to class, but they can get through college. Um, there's not a doubt in my mind. So, um, yeah, Mike, he's not going to give you the answer that you want, which is we were North Carolina and we had fake classes. Or... We we hired that we invented people to do our schoolwork or shit. Right. You know, like it's not BMS. Okay, no, okay, no. we're cool. And, you know, and, and to touch on that, I really don't believe so because the academic uh, support you get at Nebraska with Dennis LeBlanc and his whole crew um, in the life skills division, it's it's the top one in the country. You know, because I get to the league and I ask everybody else, they're like, oh no, but especially Bo, he made sure that. If you need to be in class, your ass is in class. Like there's there's class checks, you know. We've heard stories about that. Yeah, we have. I mean, there, there's class checks, you know. And so if you were a freshman and you had another 20 football players in your class, you better go to class because there's a GA showing up. People talk. People talk. Well, not they'd come and be like, hey, stir up. I didn't see that. I saw that you weren't in class. Uh, <laughs> Bo, Coach Bo wants to see you Uh-oh. at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> I was like, oh, I bet what this is. And, you know, it was mostly an ass chewing for myself because, I mean, he put, he could put the fear of God in you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing at all with dealing right. for, you know, 17 to 22 year old kids. Yeah. You right. know, that, who are think they're hot shit coming out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the, at the same token, like if you screwed up a bunch, I mean, he would hold your hand or you'd just be gone. I mean, right. That that's kind of where he was. Um, I'll help you if you want to be helped, but if not, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. You have to want to at the end of the day. Yeah, like, yeah. And 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 those are some of the life lessons you le- learned from Bo and and Coach Dobbs. Um, coach Dobbs is awesome. The strength and conditioning coach um, that I had for four years under under Coach Bo, and there's no nonsense. There's so much accountability, and then you just take that forward with you. Be like, hey, if I don't show up, there's a consequence, yeah. right? And, and you can take that. It doesn't matter what you do in life. I mean, you can take that lesson that you learned as an 18-year-old kid. I had it for four years ingrained in me. You're like, it doesn't even matter if I don't show up. If somebody in my position group screws up, doesn't go to class, I still have to run. So guess what? 
I'm going to be bitching at him. Yeah. Hey, hey, motherfucker, I'm going to class. You go to class, man. Or if you don't have to go to class, make sure you're not failing the failing the test. Yeah. You know, yeah. Type deal. It's like handle your shit. Yeah. But coach, the PowerPoint was online. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my grades are fine. So, hey, you you don't have to worry about Zach. <laughs> yeah. My grades are fine. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So you brought up Bo. And every time we have a bow player on, we always want to know, like, what is your what is your favorite bow moment? Like, it, it could be an ash joint. It could be both. Like, do you have your favorite, like, highlight of bow? And then your favorite, like, oh, shit, I fucked up bow, moment with bow. I don't know. I got it. I got it a couple of times on Twitter. And so I don't, I'm like, mm. I'm so guarded. And that's why I, I was telling these guys before, I'm not a big fan of the legacy media. Um, just because mm. they just blow up anything they oh, can yeah. to make the story, which I understand that's your job. But at the same day, it's, uh, I'm a 20 year old kid going to college. Oh right? shit. You know? Yeah. Leave me alone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and a lot of times it's not even like athletic per- performance, which, you know, that's fair. I can get judged on that, but like, you can't. You know, I, I'll just tell you the story. So I was sitting in uh, um, the meeting room before fall camp. I think it was a sophomore at this point. And I had tweeted out some weird thing about the election, something about like gun, <laughs> oh, gun rights or whatnot. No, what uh, could go wrong? You know, it was something on the long lines of I'll, I'll pull out a 357 snub nose you know, whenever I want to, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even have a gun at this point. It was just, <laughs> it, it was just a heated point in the election, whatnot. And so uh, Irving Fryer, you guys know that yeah. name? Mm-hmm. He was in, like, talking to us about, like, oh, you got to watch out what you put on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And so he brings that up, and he starts ripping me. And then my buddy Brandon Riley had another tweet up there, and his tweet was something, like, pretty, I mean – cancel culture kind of thing no it was it was was literally so is it like like this like it's just like a slideshow and they're just clicking through them yeah (laughs) yeah no there's like four of them up there at a time Oh, okay i see mine i'm just like Ah, in the the second row sinking (laughs) sinking down in my chair oh i'm six foot nine they won't see me yeah (laughs) and brandon's was along the lines of i have a test in the morning or i can um get a good night's uh, rest, easy decision. See you in the morning, and Bo just starts going off. <laughs> oh, poor B Riley boy. <laughs> and Brandon Riley, this is what makes me so upset. This fucking matters to me. Blah blah blah. And he's like, Zach, yours is just stupid. Just <laughs> ripping into Brandon, and Brandon's a freshman at this point. Like he probably made fall camp for the first time in his life. You know, he's like, oh, what's going on? And then I had another one that was. Just uh, we were playing Northwestern that weekend, and so I found out that all my high school friends were going to Vegas. And so I tweeted that I'm like, just found out all my high school friends were going to Vegas. Wish I could be there. Oh my god, the the radio shows just had their way with me. So I wake wake up. I got like twelve mentions. I got like twelve mentions. Be like, you should think before you tweet this. I'm just like, what the hell is even going on? Like, I would I tweet, you know? And they're just going off because it was on some damn radio show. So then Bo comes up to me. He's like, hey man, like I know what you meant. Like I didn't even know about it. Some. One of my neighbors stopped me when I was walking my dog. <laughs> and you, you like brought it up. I didn't even know about it. And I'm just like, I know what you meant. Like, yeah, like 
obviously I want to go play Northwestern with my boys, but like at the same time, who doesn't want to be in fucking Vegas Yeah, <laughs> with my boys? Yeah. I, yeah. I was freshly 21. Like it'd been fun. Right. So, so Bo's out walking his dog and some Bo, Bo. Yeah. This is what I heard. Pr- pretty much comes up and starts talking to him about some backup lineman. Or, <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was starting at this point. Yeah. I you were, you were, Hey, give yourself some credit. Uh, you were starting. I, I, I was starting at this point. It was my junior year. I remember it now. But th- then I only played like half the game. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been in Vegas because your head was in Vegas, right? <laughs> exactly. Me and Givens Price were rotating at that point. So he, he finished up like most of the second half. And I mean, we beat him pretty good. I, we ended up beating him pretty good in the second half. Thanks, Givens. <laughs> yeah, Givens. <laughs> Isn't it, is it kind of weird to see Bo kind of not blowing up, but you know, making these appearances in the media with Will Compton on his Bussin' with the Boys show. Just because you're far from the first former player that's talked about Bo Pelini's hatred of the Twitter and all that stuff. And we right. know we know all his relation his relations with the media when he was a, a coach, right? I mean, right. didn't love the media. But now you see him and he's, you know, he's chilling in the van and he's talking with people and he's on Twitter. He's just sound by <laughs> He's kind of weird. Guy now, so right? so yeah. how you see him in like Will Compton's like busting with the boys, that's who he is like day to day. Yeah. Like gear him up and a football time. His blood, blood runs a little hot, you know, he's mm-hmm. a former NFL and college football guy. Yeah. And now he's a coach. Like do you want him to just be sitting over there like not chewing us out? I mean, yeah. <laughs> we right. screw up and he's like, oh, that's okay. You know, <laughs> personally, you know, that's just the way he was. And that's how he coached. That's how he coached. And I would say anybody who actually played, like, I'm not talking about the guys who were like on the end of the bench and got like upset, but anybody who actually played in the games for Bo, I would say 98% of them will love him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what we've heard too. Every single, every single player that's come through. Yeah. Right. We've had lots of guys that played for Bo right. plenty. And we cannot find, and not like we're trying to find anybody, but there's not one person that can say that Bo made them a that didn't, he didn't make them a better person, and they loved him, and they would run through a fucking wall for him. So or that yeah. or that they they don't regret coming to Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. at all, you know. So. No, I mean, I mean, that's who he was. He at the end of the day, you know, Bo really cared about you because when shit hits the fan, and it does, I mean, he had your back. Yes, whether whether you're screaming in your face. You know, at one point, and then you know, ten minutes later, he comes up and talks to you, um, and be like, just kind of explain himself because, like, oh yeah, he gets a little hot. I get a little hot. I got temper. Like, right. You know, I, that's just that's how high performance people are. Right. Know? So, uh, at the end of the day, he had your best interest at heart on and off the field. I mean, that's why he was such a stickler. You know, going to classes because he knew it's more than football for. 90% of the people, yep. you know, not everybody can go to the NFL. I never thought I was going to go to the NFL and truthfully until coach cab, my line coach came in under Mike Riley. Um, cause it was just a different way of looking at things, um, and a different technique and whatnot. So you had some, said something about being six foot nine, Zach, and doing some digging on you. Cause I like to do that when we have our guests, I like to do some research. You had been featured in a, an article on the athletic Talking about uh oh, talking about being typecast in the NFL because you were six foot nine. I just want to make this a broad question. If you could just talk about like the unique challenges or advantages of being a six foot nine 
offensive linemen, either in the NFL or in college. Okay, I have no idea what the article you're talking about is, but <laughs> I'll answer your question. You were you were uh, quoted very briefly. Someone asked you what other position you would play at your height, and you said field goal block or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And then that, I think ass, that was yeah. that was literally like it. But but I th- I thought it was a good question because it's something that we talked about. At least me personally, it's something that um, being a six foot nine offensive lineman, I think in and pass pro could obviously serve its advantages, but during run blocking, it might be a little more challenging. I don't know if you just want to go into more into that and um, yeah, just so, explain. I mean, so my my senior year at Nebraska, I actually started six games at guard, um, and and that experience is what drove me to it, not even drive me, it gave me an opportunity to play in the NFL because I realized like it's you know I was always kind of scared of going in there. You got some big old brutes, you know, it's a little more physical on the inside, obviously. Um, but going in there, the run blockings um, on the inside is, you know, where, especially in college is where you make your money, you know? Um, and then on the outside as a tackle, you have to be able to protect. Uh, I mean, that, that's pretty much what it is. As far as the height goes, I mean, I got long arms. I don't have like freakishly long arms. My, my arms are my wingspan, so I'm like a normal human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a normal I, six foot nine you know, human. <laughs> I, I'm 81 inches tall. I'm 81 from tip of my finger to tip of my finger. You know, okay. so I'm like proportional that way. Um, but you know, my senior year, Coach Cavanaugh, Mike Cavanaugh came in and he taught me how to use my hands and my my arms, my my length. And I mean, that is my biggest tool as being a tall guy. You know, I can touch you, you can't touch me, type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and learning how to use my hands. Um, one in college, no one does a great job of it, you know, cause footwork's always top first, you know, you, okay. um, everything's from the ground up. Right. Um, you know, your feet, your ankles, I have terrible ankle, uh, flexibility. Um, I've never sprained or rolled or done anything to my left ankle. And so like, I can barely get my knee over my toes on my left side. It's weird. Hmm. And so. Hmm. That's why I was always a right tackle in, in college because I didn't have the flexibility to put my toe in the ground um, on the left side. Okay. Um, but, you know, to that aspect, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody thinks pad level, pad level, pad level. Well, it's not really pad level. I learned this when I was in the NFL. It's where your hips are. If you get your hips underneath the other person, you can move them. Um, now, as a tall guy, my hips are higher than somebody else's, but, you know, I can lean into it, and as long as my feet are underneath me and I'm not diving out of the boat, um, I can get leverage on somebody. And, and so learning just how to, you know, play with your body um, and position your body in the in in the right way um, is probably the most important thing about line play. You know, it's not just pure aggression. Like everybody, come off the ball. Right. <laughs> There's a lot more of it that goes into that because you come off the ball and they swim you. You're you're on your face. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. This um, is what because that's that's been the this uh the change from uh Greg Austin, Greg Austin to Riola was it it was the kind of fall back and let the guy shield approach and more passive, if you will. Right. And now it's more striking. With Riola, so right. I mean, I mean, there's there's definitely um, advantages to both. 
Um, I didn't mind a lot of what Greg was teaching. Um, some of the stuff I, I didn't like personally, it just wouldn't work for me. But you know, at the end of the day, you get to the, I mean, you get in the NFL locker room and like you, there's freaks all around you, but like a lot of the best linemen aren't like the most powerful athletic, you know, figures out there. They know how to play one day. They, they have it upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, they have supreme confidence and they know how to use their body. Um, you know, it's not like test numbers that like the, this is the freakiest person I've ever seen. Like Jordan Davis, that guy is huh, Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> like that should not be possible for a human to do, but you know, um, and I think he's get, uh, probably the best. I think he's rated number two prospect ever. Um, coming out like mm-hmm. from like the Metcon standpoint of mm-hmm. total points you can get at the combine. It's Calvin Johnson, then him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good company. Good yeah. company. That's yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good company, but like he's still unproven as a pro. Um, and I think he's, I mean, he's got a world of upside, but I mean, it doesn't always pan out. And it's kind of funny. Well, not funny, but you said it's, it's about kind of savviness and what's upstairs. And like a, a guy that just immediately comes to mind is Andrew Whitworth. Of the of the L.A. Rams, like he's got that C on his chest, he's got a gray ass beard, and he's had it for ten years, like, and he's a, he's a well respected dude, like he's been around a really long time, and he's not a guy who's gonna, he's not running a four six with the forty five <laughs> inch vertical and nothing like that, but right. like you said, well, he's, he's just forty three now, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I would laughs> well, even, even back, but even back then, you know, no. he wasn't doing all that, but he's not to right, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, you see that all the time, and so I spent some time in Cleveland, and I got a study under uh, Joe, Joe Thomas, Thomas. Mm-hmm. and like that guy, like, yes, he was a freak show athlete. Don't get me wrong, but like he never like used his full athleticism on one play because you'd just be like, okay, I know how to do this. I mean, experience is everything, right. you know, like I know like he's this wide, like I've done this block 20 times in a game, like mm-hmm. this exact same situation. Like he doesn't get spooked. He takes his footwork and he executes the block. And granted he's got a lot of physical gifts that help him do that. But at the same time, it's not rocket science. He's not reinventing like, I could say this, watching Joe, I could do every block that Joe could do physically. Now, mentally and from experience wise, I wasn't there to trust it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know I got to get out there. I got to get out there and then go way around him. He takes the inside, makes the play for three yard loss. Yeah. You know, but Joe just takes his steps, trusts his footwork and reaches the guy for a 10 yard gain. Um, and just, just yeah. stuff like that where, I mean, he's, he's got a wealth of experience. I mean, he played 10 years straight without missing a snap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's 10 in a row, Joe. <laughs> right. Balls, you yeah. Know? So you kind of brought up and I, obviously we don't want to say like, we're not like bashing Greg Austin or anything like that, but the, what from what the fans have heard since his departure <laughs> and what Scott Frost has told everyone through publicly the through the media <laughs> is that there was obviously like a, a philosoph- what am I trying to say? Philosoph- Philosophical difference. Philosophical difference um, between like what Scott Frost wanted out of his linemen and what he was getting through Greg Austin. So can you talk a little bit, because this will be actually the first time from an offensive lineman standpoint um, and somebody that feels sounds like they're familiar with what he was kind of doing. Can you kind of explain a little bit about like 
what was it like what was the philosophy that greg austin was kind of teaching and why didn't it like work see i i want to be able to answer that definitively you know i wasn't sitting in those rooms i can tell you if it was a scheme thing um and greg austin wasn't executing a scheme that's solely on scott frost um yeah he called the plays everything runs downhill from your scheme like you have to tell the coach what you want and it's his job to to be the coach and get that from his players. Now, if there was some, cause I know Greg did have a, a lot of leash um, cause he used the run game quarter. Yes, he was. Yep. Um, and, and so if there's something different there that like he was set in stone, oh, this is the way we, we gotta do it. I, I wouldn't know that. Um, there's just things with, you know, a few techniques there that um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, you know, just the way they throw their hands. They were, they were big. Um, double punchers and I like to work you know independently you mm -hmm. know throw one throw one throw one so then you know if you get caught missing on one hand you have you have a save hand right yeah. deal. Um, and that's that stuff like with the first four years we really never even worked on a punch from you know under Barney Cotton and Garrison they were great coaches but it was just a different way of teaching things okay um, and, and there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. I mean, there's a lot of ways to throw a block. I mean, right, yeah. right. I mean, you can use your head. You can use your stomach. You know, you can cut them. I mean, you can use your hands. You got to you gotta figure out what your guys are good at and get the most out of them. Um, but at the same time, it's your job to develop them when they get there. Because, like, I never – in high school, I never took a pass. At, I come from class C1 and C2 football. <laughs> yeah. Was that, was that eight, man? No, no, we were 11. Okay, okay. Yeah. Just Shout out to the Blue Hawks. We got two, hey, we got two we state titles, mm -hmm. junior, senior year. So All right. Hey. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we ran the ball. We ran the Maryland Eye. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Beautiful. You Beautiful. Two fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brings a, a tear to my eye. age back. Yeah. So, and, and, and we had some good players. And so it, it wasn't. I, I did not win a state championship from the line. I can tell you that. <laughs> we, we had some skill guys that could that could boogie. So yeah, um, yeah, but they can't do anything without you. Yeah, that's right. That's why I keep telling them. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into kind of your um, introduction to the Nebraska football program, being recruited by them. Like you said, you came from Hastings, Saint Cecilia. Who else kind of was in the running for? Um, Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. I was oh. go Iowa. Iowa was my first offer. They recruited my brother pretty heavy. And so I knew Coach Reese Morgan. And I mean, if you know anything about Iowa, I mean, for a lineman, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, them, Wisconsin, Bama. I yeah. Mean, yep. Where else you got to go that puts consistently putting guys in the league? Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, and, and so, I mean, Nebraska does a great job of that too. Cause I mean, you get what you get. You get Midwestern guys. There's, People who are staying close to home, big bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so anywhere in the Big Ten, I was kind of considering. Uh, I was my uh, freshman year was the first year in the Big Ten. Um, so, you know, they're like, oh, we got to get bigger guys. You know, we're, we're going from speed to to girth now. Right. <laughs> yeah. The 6'9 monster. Yeah. 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 So you're saying Bo Pelini prepared for a new league? That's kind of weird. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Oh no. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. They were they were recruiting differently. I yeah. Mean, just just from who you could recruit. I mean, Bo was big in uh, Ohio. Obviously, he had ties all around there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he was always gaining people from there. 
um, you know, but in the Big 12, it's pretty easy to get people out of Texas, Oklahoma, yep, you know, right. even California. And, and, and so you go to the Big 10, you're, you're recruiting sort of a different player. I mean, you, get, you try to go after the top guys, but everybody's after the top guys. Right? right. So if you can get a three-star and convince them he's the right fit, a lot of times those are the best college guys yeah. because they buy in, they want to be there. You know, there's not a bunch of smoke being blown up their ass. Yep. Two-star um, two Amir Abdullah shout out. He, yep. was, he was our third third running back that year. It was Braylon Hurd, Aaron Green, and then Amir. And like we just we took him, we we took Amir on that year because we were recruiting a wide receiver that played with him. You guys don't know that story, do you? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, that's the, that's why we got Amir. Well, and Amir said, <laughs> and think if I remember correctly, Amir came to Nebraska because we're one of the few colleges that offered him as a running back because yeah. mm-hmm. they wanted him to play DB. DB, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So Amir got. Got to campus and that's when he had the dreads. Yeah, like, fucking looks sweet. All over, like right here, right here, juking this way, and then <laughs> burn you for six. Like, yeah. I mean, his change of direction was just incredible, you know. And he had that from the get go. And then he got to Nebraska and he put on twenty pounds. Like Jesus Christ, what's Amir? What are you eating, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to, I, you know, I I put on forty pounds, but it's all like chocolate milk. The bad. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate milk and peanut butter. Yeah, I, Late well, night Taco Bell. Yeah, I got to I got to Nebraska at two sixty five, six nine two sixty five. So I, that's like twenty pounds smaller than what I am now. <laughs> so, Holy shit! And then and then what like what was your like preferred playing weight? Uh, in college, I was probably like three fifteen, and then in in the league, I got up to like three twenty five, and that was in Miami. I mean, you had to be a good three twenty five unless you weren't. Yeah, I mean, we conditioned. We're the one of the few NFL teams that conditioned every day because you had to in the heat. Yeah. Right. You know, like we would get a cold weather team down there in October and it would be <laughs> 80 degrees and they couldn't breathe, you know, because, wow. but like we're, I mean, we're used to it. It sucked ass. I'll tell you what, because I mean, I was kind of opposite. I would go to, I would go to Florida in August, run around with a helmet on and, you know, all the, I mean, South Florida has all these migratory people. Yes. Well, all the East Coast people are going back to New York for the summer. And I'm on the opposite migratory pattern. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I would come back to Nebraska in January. (laughs) Yeah. You know, completely opposite of what everybody else is doing. Right. So you said Iowa was in on you. Yeah. So they're my first offer, man. You know. Okay. So now. True love. Nebraska was my last offer. How many stars did you have? Four. You had four stars. All right. So. A big potential. thing. Potential uh, only. Yeah. Oh Come on. Hey, you made it to the league. That, that is who all, who all can potential. say that? <laughs> Whatever. Come on. So like a big a big thing around here is whenever Iowa offers a guy, you know, within the 500 mile radius, especially in Nebraska, if Iowa offers first, Nebraska must follow suit or else like you're going to get shown up because this guy's going to go to Iowa. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a seltzer. Keegan. Uh, yeah. NBC seltzer. And they're going to go to Iowa and they're going to show you up. And then guess what? They're going to talk shit about Nebraska. And then. And the media is going to roast the shit out of you. And then guys from their high school and you're going to have bad relationships with their coaches. And it's just going to be this cycle. So why did you choose to go to Nebraska despite them being your last offer and Iowa offering first? 
I'm from Nebraska. Man. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, it, right. it was that simple, you know, and then, you know, I could have, you know, I could go to somewhere else, but then my family is not there to watch me. You know, my okay. parents went to every game. Okay. So they, I, though, always the joke is between them and I is they had a whole lot more fun than I did <laughs> yeah. playing. Cause I mean, they had a group that they had a group of four or five families that they would go tailgate every road game. And then, every home game they were just getting bombed too so it's yeah. like, well mom i actually have to go do something so you know i can't go out and tailgate with you guys before the game sorry like you can buy me if you're after yeah. shout out mama start right yeah. if if we win you know, yeah I'm not, I'm not showing my face if we lose you know i i remember one time my oh, senior year, we got um we lost to purdue it was uh and then it was halloween so we went out mm. Standing, standing at the line, I'm in a, I'm in a giraffe costume. <laughs> a six foot nine mother, yeah, in a giraffe costume. Hey, it played. And of course it did. Oh, it played later too. And, <laughs> and I'm just getting ridiculed. Like, hey man, if you guys like some little twerp, you know, frat guy was saying like, hey man, if you guys lose, you guys shouldn't be out. Like, don't, don't come. I think it was the downtown. At that point, what's not my downtown, you know, <laughs> downtown Lincoln, right? Yeah. I'm well, no, sure the, I was... the downtown, the downtown bar, which it, it's not even a thing anymore. And, and we were just getting beat up by these people. Be like, Hey man, like it's college. I, I want to have fun on Halloween. Like, right. Sue me, man. Like, <laughs> right. So, sorry. We lost. I mean, sorry. I did. I wasn't, I didn't pick a giraffe for yeah. Yeah. Sorry. you. Yeah. I pre-ordered this costume. Man. Yeah. I thought we were going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered this off Amazon in like August. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Mike, were you there? You're like giving off this vibe that you were Dude, there. I, I was in Lincoln for a Halloween after Nebraska lost. And I remember seeing, so to so to my friend Tobias, my friend Tobias, his his good friend Jocks it grew up with Brandon Riley, and I remember that we ran into B Riley at the bar after we lost. It was on Halloween. I dress up as a Power Ranger, and <laughs> and so I I went to the bar and I I remember. <laughs> I remember yeah. that Tobias just kept saying, oh, Brady Riley bought me a shot. And I was like, well, we still lost. <laughs> so like, so I, I remember that. And now it's funny. that. Okay. Know. So we just, we just identified the twerp yeah. that was yelling at the giraffe <laughs> about being you? out. He's That's like, we met before. <laughs> He's looking. Why are you here? The fucking red power ranger. You fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if it was that year or not or whatever, but I was in Lincoln, downtown Lincoln. <laughs> After we lost oh. on Halloween, okay. maybe not the same game. We'll, we'll see. It's all right, man. It's all right. Water under the bridge. Yeah, I forget. I forgive you for being a twerp. Or so you got any like fun you got stories? Any fun stories or any like your most memorable moment being? That was that's probably the most memorable experience I had was Penn State my sophomore year. We were all hurt. Like the whole O line was banged up. Um, we we label that game that as as a line group the island of misfit toys <laughs> because <laughs> I I was playing right tackle it was like the like the third game I ever played like serious minutes in um and was playing right tackle and then because I think Searles got hurt first and then Quali gets hurt so then they 
move a rod out to right tackle i have to go on at left tackle and like this is the first like i never even take it snaps at left tackle and I'm you just, can't plant your foot i can't plant my foot right so i'm just like dude this is like i don't know what's going on it's on the road at penn state night game it's all white to snow is it white out i well i i can't i can't say well we'll go it was white out yeah it was white out and it was it was snowing the place was rocking um and I ended up getting a bullshit holding call. I mean, aren't they all? A lot of a lot of them are, but like this one was like, dude, the dude fell down, and like Ooh. I didn't even land on top of them. And like they called me for holding. Like two plays later, we're on a silent count, and I like take a step back because I thought they that uh, Tommy had clapped. I think it was Tommy at this point. It could have been Ron or I don't know or Riker. <laughs> I owned a misfit toy. <laughs> that was no, it was probably the sideline. That was before the disconcerting signals came out. <laughs> right, right. So then I, I get hit with a false start and I come over and I'm just wide eyed. I'm like, dude, this like I don't know what the hell is going on. And Kenny Bell's just over there, get him out, get him out. <laughs> and Sturls goes up to him and he's like, We don't have anyone left. <laughs> There's no one. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, Nobody. My whole team doesn't believe in me. Whatever. <laughs> we go out and win the game. Pat Smith hits a 53-yard yep. like game-winning field, field goal. goal. He had to kick it twice because Givens jumped. Yo, I, I sneeze. I'm like, no, you jumped. Dude. <laughs> it's all right. We, we, still won. we still won. Well, I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. He it's kept... one thing if you thought it was a silent count, but to sneeze? He said he sneezed and flinched or something. I don't know. I'm like, on that point, like – you just if you don't move you're still fine like, <laughs> just take up a lot as much space and hopefully pat gets that son of a bitch out of there yeah. and then all i see pat rips his helmet off and he's just shushing the crowd yeah and i'm just like losing i'm hugging all my buddies like thank god because if we didn't win that game oh my we would watch the we would watch the team film and so the team film is a lot worse you don't split up into position groups you're watching as a whole offense oh, so beck's up there like whispering and <laughs> we are fast you know <laughs> tim beck's what, we are what we are fast fast speed, speed kills <laughs> <laughs> he's handing out all these shirts i'm like dude i'm not that fast man so i don't i might as well just be a big teddy bear because i'm not killing anybody <laughs> But we ended up winning and like we got through the film and whatnot. And like, they're like, yeah, you're out of position. Like, it was all right. But the only other game that like stands out to me is Michigan State, my junior year. And I still have nightmares, dude. Then mm. we were just getting crushed. And Bo's over there, get that look out of your fucking face. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, I don't. I Why don't know, I? man. Like, I can't, I can't hear the, the snap count and like, that's the that's the play that uh Butch Jake Cotton he's got the meme of him just yeah, falling uh, over. Oh, we talk about yeah, it all the time. We talk, yeah, there's uh, yeah. a lot I of still, lines I on still the pod. send that to him. <laughs> um, and and just getting out of that game, just like uh, it's it's never as bad and it's never as good. And that one was like it was pretty bad, but it wasn't as bad. It was what was going on in my head and what what I still like remember. Like I just get flashbacks. <laughs> Because I mean, they had a good team that year. They, I think, I think that year, like they were. I think they still had the BCS going at that point, um, but they were like right in line with getting a bid. Like if they would have won the, I think they went to the Big Ten championship, and I think they might have lost. Um, 
They might have even won because I remember them. They might have won. They, they might have won. I remember them beating like Ohio State in a championship game or something. Or they went to like they won three, like three right in a row. Yeah, yeah. and they it, yeah. There's either them or Wisconsin for a few years, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember that Wisconsin game too, and forty-two <laughs> to seventeen and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, you you will remember that. I will remember <laughs> that. And Bo comes over and takes out the freaking cooler at halftime. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So that was not fun. We just got bombed on Sunday after, and then we went and waxed Georgia's ass. <laughs> yeah, that's so. right. So, Zach, let's transition to what you're doing now. Tell the listeners, tell the Husker fans that are listening, what Zach Starp is doing right now, besides sitting on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a, I got a company, BZA Equipment. I'm an auctioneer and used equipment um, salesman. I guess I take consignments. Um, I, I kind of describe it as being a realtor for heavy equipment um, or a broker, you know, having, I come in and represent a piece of equipment and, you know, sell it to somebody in Florida and, you know, they don't see it, you know, sight on scene most of the time. Um, they wire in, they deal with me. I send them a piece of equipment. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Um, and, you know, I work on, you know, commission, so I don't make a, so it, it's fun because I'm on commission. It sucks because I'm on commission. Right. Yeah. If I don't do shit, I don't get paid. Right. So um, I enjoy the hustle, you know, hustling around, making money, you know, selling people's equipment. Um, the thing I like most about that is going to somebody's farm, taking, you know, listing a few pieces of equipment and then bullshitting with them for an hour and a half. Where, yeah. Right. You know, like if it's what we're doing, like right now, sitting down and talking or, Talking about the weather. I talk about the weather every day now. <laughs> that's, that's how I know I'm 30. You you're know? right. You're like, it's not bad about the wind, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The weather and the stock prices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just the dang wind. Yeah. Talking about the CME board of trade, all that. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but, but yeah. And then I also moonlight. So today I was working at Loyalty Training. It's here in Gretna, helping with, uh, <laughs> helping with uh, high school and middle school athletes, strength and conditioning wise. And like 65% of them are softball chicks. These ladies rock, dude. They're like so athletic. Like I don't have to, I go up there and like teach them the drills and like instantly they're doing it. Like yeah. it's their footwork is just incredible. Now there are some of the best softball players in the nation. I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So that always helps. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, just getting back into it. Cause I, I got a wealth of knowledge of, of just training and, you know, being an athlete for God, Oh God, almost as long as I've been alive, half of it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and going through that. And so giving back to these kids and laughing with them, making them smile and getting them better. I mean, it, it fills the fills one of those buckets for me. So there's kids from all over. I mean, there's Millard kids, there's Elkhorn kids. Okay, you know. it's just like an open yeah, clinic. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's nothing to do with the school. It's not contracted by the school. Or okay, anything. cool. But Zach, you're leaving out the most important thing. Where can people find your like problematic tweets about Vegas and stuff? You have a Twitter Twitter handle still? I, I, I do. It, it's uh, Zster underscore P. So in, instead of the U and stirrup, it's an underscore. Um, okay. But, you know, you'll find me on there. There might be a couple political tweets. So. Oh, there, there may be. Trigger warning yep. for so. all you guys. So. Literally. I, I won't even With your t- snub nose. Yeah, I won't tell you what side of the fence I'm on, but you, you can probably figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure there's an audience for that yeah. sort of thing. So, hey, let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, 
Zach Starup, thank you once again for coming on the No Block No Rock podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was a blast. So hey, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. Okay. Thank you once again to Zach Starup for coming on the NBNR podcast. Uh, we want to plug our merch. If you go on our website, nbnrpodcast.com, you will find links there that will lead you to our Etsy store where we are continuing to put new products on there. We got hats. We have beanies. <laughs> Mike's got his polo on. He's polo game strong. Hey, repping reppin the brand. There's two different polos out there. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Stickers, like if you're in that sort of thing, I am. So please go on there. Go on our website, nbnrpodcast.com. You will find all our past episodes as well. If there's a guest on there that uh, tickles your fancy, please listen to that episode. Follow them on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, at NBNR Podcast. And Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we are there for you. Give us a five-star review. Listen to us, please. Okay, guys, let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Kyle Byers. And Mike Delaware. And as always, GBR. GBR.